Amen. We are in a series called Life Struggles, and uh, this morning I want to talk about don't touch dead things. Don't touch dead things. Uh, but life struggles, or the things that we go through that really everybody's going to go through, but how do you go through all the major struggles of life the kingdom way? And uh, one of the biggest struggles I think that we as even uh, normal people, but even especially as Christians face, is how do you know what's right and wrong? How do you know what to do and not to do? How do you know what to touch and not to touch? And so uh, here's a question for you. Why don't we play with roadkill as kids? Maybe some of you did. But why don't we play? Did your mom or dad ever have to tell you, son, get out of the street, stop playing with roadkill? Now, again, there might be a few of you in the room, but I would gather most of us, you kind of got that on your own at some point. Someone probably didn't have to tell you, don't get the roadkill, bring it in the house, roll around with it or anything like that. You, you kind of just figured that maturity. You just knew that, why don't we touch dead things? Well, they probably stink. They probably got stuff on them. You know, there's things there, germs, bacteria. Uh, they're not pleasant. They're maybe a little ooey-gooey. You know, we have to all, Louisiana is just known for its roadkill. I mean, when you move down here from another state, you're like, why are all these animals on the, side, on the middle of the road all the time? You know, raccoons and possums and deer and all kinds of stuff. But we don't play with roadkill, and no one has to tell you, don't play with roadkill, because, again, you know better, at least at some point in your life. Uh, if you did have to deal with it, you probably got a stick or some gloves, a shovel or something, but you don't have to be very old to understand, don't touch dead things. Don't touch dead things. That's the title of this morning's message, don't touch dead things. Do you know uh, one of the laws in the Old Testament was don't touch dead things? Uh, if you did, uh, you were, the Bible says you were unclean until evening. You had an animal that died. You had to wash yourself, uh, purify yourself, because you couldn't go into God's presence having touched something dead. Did you know that? You couldn't go into God's presence. If you touched something dead, you had to go purify, go outside the camp, purify yourself, and then you couldn't go into God's presence. You couldn't go to church. You couldn't pray. You couldn't make a sacrifice if you did that. Now, if someone you knew died, let's say it was a mom or a dad or brother or sister died, it was seven days, not just one, seven days. You think, that doesn't make any sense. I love this person. We're going to bury them. You had to prepare the body, do all the rituals, and you would knowingly prepare your loved one for the funeral service and knowingly separate yourself from God for the sake of the person you love. Now, you think about that. You would knowingly not be able to go into God's presence or worship on Sunday because you loved your loved one enough to go to their funeral, touch the body, or prepare the coffin. Now, why would God do that? You think, man, that's a burden. That's kind of mean. I have a loved one that died. i got to bury them. Why would I be separated from God for seven days? Why would, why would God do that? Well, maybe you could say that, well, there, Pastor, there's a practical side in the Old Testament. They didn't have the modern medicine that we did. Maybe there was disease that God was kind of going to put some rules out for. Well, that's very possible. But, you know, I think the real reason is the Bible says that the wages of sin is death. The wages of sin is death, and God is life, and in God's presence there is no death. There is no contamination of death in God's presence. And despite how, how awful of a rule that seems to be, it was a constant reminder 
that no one could get away from death. No one could get away from the sting of death. Somebody you knew was going to die. And at some point you were going to be separated from God because of death. And death is a big sign that this whole world has sinned and fallen short of God's glorious standards. Death is the one great reminder that we all stand equal before a holy God. And in God there is no death. God is life and life abundant. And that rule is like, man, that's, why don't touch dead people? I mean, i, I got to separate myself from God. God, shouldn't you know? But I mean, couldn't we make a better rule than that? But it's a constant reminder that death stinks, death pollutes, and that death is not a part of God. And if you want to come near God, what you had to do was be purified, separate yourself as holy to Him. And there was a reminder that the law could never deal with death. No amount of religious rituals could ever deal with the sting of death. The law gave the standard, but it could not give the solution to death. Death would always separate you from God. Then we fast forward to the New Testament, and then it says, The Word of God became flesh. This word that was life and light came, and Jesus walks as the Son of God and Son of Man. And what does He do? He begins to touch dead things. He begins to touch lepers who are sick and diseased, and they become healed instantly. He's touching blind eyes, and He goes to dead people. And the Pharisees said, you can't touch that. And as soon as He touches them, boom, life comes into that mortal body. They go out leaping. Because here's this life-giving God coming to touch the dead places of a lost and dying world. The Bible says, uh, the law would say, don't touch. But Jesus came saying, it's the things that proceed from your heart that really lead to death. It's the heart that really contaminates the person. Not the outward stuff. It's evil thoughts and murders and adulteries and sexual immorality and thefts and lying and slander. It says, we didn't understand it, but God made him who had no sin to be sin for us, that in him we might become the righteousness of God, 2 Corinthians 5. You see, we got, just like they had to purify themselves death, they said they had to go outside the camp. They had to make a sacrifice of blood. They had to wash themselves, purify, wash themselves twice. Jesus comes and He deals with our death. Jesus comes and He touches the death. He comes and He gets on the cross and He tastes death for you and for me. He touches the death for your life, and He pays the price of His blood. He sends out the washing of the Holy Spirit for you, so that you can come now, seven days later in a sense, boldly to the throne of God to find help in a time of need. You see how that works? It's a beautiful illustration how Jesus is a solution for you and for me for not touching death. Jesus touches the spiritually dead, and He gives them spiritual Life. Okay, well, I got that, Pastor Heath, I understand. But what does it have to do with how should I live? Life problem number three. What should I touch? What should I not touch? What should I do? What should I not do? What guides our behaviors? Who says what is right and wrong now? I know I understand I've been cleansed by Jesus. I've got life in Jesus. I don't have to fulfill all the law anymore. That's all been done. I get that. I'm a New Testament Christian. But now how do I decide how to live? What determines, uh, Pastor Heath, how do, I, how do I go through life? Not everything's in the Bible. So, for instance, we have uh, opinions today. Is it okay for, for instance, Christians to drink socially? Watch rated R movies. Gamble, smoke, get tattoos, piercings. Is it okay for us to listen to secular music? Wear certain clothing, go to certain places, say certain things, be a Democrat. Those are all kinds of things that people ask themselves today. 
Can you be a Christian and be a Democrat? Some people say, can you be a Christian and be a Republican? Can you be a Christian and go to that place? Can you wear that dress? Can you smoke that? Can you do this? Because, Pastor Heath, you said, wait a minute, we can cleanse, man. We got life and life abundantly. So there's a problem here. On one side, some people would say, you're saved. You can do whatever you want. No one can judge you. Don't judge me because I'm saved and God is my judge. Psh, talk to the hand. Then on the other side, people are like, boy, you better watch it. God's going to smite you. You better not go here, not go here. Don't wear that. Don't do this. Dress got to be, you know, 27 inches long and a half. You know, you can't have a black and white TV, only a color. I don't know. You know, you can't watch DVDs, only cassette tapes. I don't know. There's all kinds of rules out there. You got to have your hair long, no makeup. Do this, do that. Got to do this. Don't do that. All right. Which is it? How do you find out what to do in the Christian life? How do you know what not to touch and what to touch? What to do or to not do? Don't touch dead things. And I'm going to add on to that, but you do touch the living one. Don't touch dead things still applies today. I'm going to show you how and why. Look with me, Colossians chapter 2, verse 20. Don't touch. Don't touch. Colossians 2, verse 20. You know, in the New Testament, people struggle. I'm going to give you the background to this. In the New Testament, people were struggling at this moment. Is it law or is it liberty, Paul? I understand. I'm trying to figure out what Jesus did. They see that in the early church, they really didn't know exactly how Jesus did what he did and how did he do it and what does that mean for us today? I understand he's the Messiah and he died for us, but how does that walk out this thing? How do we walk this thing out? Is there law anymore? And how much liberty is too much liberty? On one side, people who interpreted this, they had the law. They said, well, we still need strict rules to determine right and wrong, but that began to lead to legalism. And on the other side, people said, well, we've got all this liberty in Christ Jesus. And those who went that way, they left off all moral restraint, did whatever they wanted to do, thinking they could be saved. Well, here's what Paul says to address some of this issue. He says, if you have died with Christ to the elementary, somebody say elementary. elementary. All right, we know what elementary school is, right? My kids are, uh, my littlest one's still in elementary school. If, Christ, if you have died with Christ to the elementary principles of the world, why, as if you were living in the world, do you submit yourself to decrees such as, do not handle, do not taste, do not touch, which refer to all things destined to perish with use, in accordance with the commandments and the teaching of men? These are matters which have, to be sure, the appearance of wisdom in self-made religion, and self-abasement, and severe treatment of the body, but are, here it is, no value against fleshly indulgence. Therefore, if you've been raised up with Christ, keep seeking, somebody say seeking, keep seeking the things above, where Christ is, seating at the right hand of, the, of God, set your mind on things above, not on the things on the earth, for you have died, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, I love this, this is a powerful verse, when Christ who is our life, I've been thinking about that verse all week, Christ who is your life, Christ who is, you can say it this way, when Christ who is your life, when Christ who is your life, when Christ who is our life or your life and when Christ who is our life. You can just think on it all the different ways. Christ who is our life is revealed. Then you will also be revealed with Him in glory. Therefore, consider the members of your earthly body as dead, as dead to immorality, impurity, passion, evil desire, and greed, which amounts to idolatry. Don't touch 
dead things. Okay, let's think about bring it back home. What, what do we do this in our house? So I have two little girls. They like to help cook in the kitchen sometimes. But when we're little, what do we tell our kids? Don't touch the stove. The stove is hot. How many parents remember, you know, telling kids, don't touch the stove. Now on, yeah, we're learning right now. Don't touch the stove. Tripp's helping us out. He, he made half of our pancakes this morning. All right, don't touch the stove. Now, here's the question. At what age can you touch the stove? Is it, in it, is it this? Is it when you're seven and a half on the second Tuesday of March at 3 p.m.? You can now touch the stove. Is there a law or a rule that your parents had in place when you could touch the stove? You know, you could touch the side, but not the top. You can turn the handle, but not the knob. I mean, like, is there don't, don't, don'ts? And then finally, there's a do? Or was it when they felt you had enough maturity to handle the stove and not burn yourself or burn the house down, right? Likely, it wasn't on the second Tuesday of March at 3-something p.m. It was when they felt you were making, uh, growing in their image, Growing up to be like them, watching them, and while they had, don't touch the stove, it's hot, that really wasn't what grew you up. That's what prevented you from getting hurt. But what grew you up is that you began to watch how mom and dad handled the stove. Now think about me with this spiritually. It's when you're mature enough not to get hurt and use things appropriately. Paul says, you have died to the elementary, the lower level principles of don't touch. Rules like this, he says, they sound good, but they don't deal with the issue of growing up. Don't touch the stove didn't help you get any older or more mature. It just kept you from getting hurt. But what made you mature is growing up like your mom and dad, growing up in their image, learning how to handle things the appropriate way. And he says, these don't touch rules, they don't help you grow up, doesn't help you be able to handle the stove in the right way. It's a good rule. But he says, but now Christ, when you get born of the Spirit, has freed you from these lesser rules like don't touch because he raised you up into spiritual maturity. You learn that you are your father's son or daughter. You begin to seek first his image and his likeness and you turn from the lesser things and you start turning greater things. I've now figured out, I know the stove is hot. I don't want to touch the stove any longer. I recognize it's hot now. I've got spiritual maturity. So now I turn to look at my father or my mother who does wonderful things and I say I want to be like them and I watch how they do life and I say man I'm seeking first his kingdom and his righteousness. I'm turning from these I need to, I'm going to touch the stove today. I think I want to touch it. Is it hot? It's red. Ah, you know, he's like, duh, I told you. No, we don't, we don't have to worry about that anymore because we're saying, now you can make wonderful food for God's glory. Now you've learned how to be like your Father who is in heaven. You see, God raises you up when He gives you the Holy Spirit so you can enjoy the stove the right way. I want to talk to you just for a few minutes about turning from a natural-minded Christian to a spiritually minded Christian. Turning from natural and elementary things, Paul says, to spiritual things. You see, we're not talking about being a religious person in a church. We're talking about being a spiritual person in Christ. And so if you can turn, in, turn on your spiritual ears this morning, I think hopefully this will make sense to you. Because probably this is one of the number one things the Bible Belt, I think, uh, 
deals with is that we keep going back to elementary things about don't touch, don't touch, don't touch. And it's because we've never started growing up in Jesus Christ. We need rules to keep us safe because why? Your inner man still wants to see if the stove is hot. Your inner man's not trusting what Jesus Christ has said, and there hasn't been a renewal to pursue for greater things. So watch this. He's going to give you three things, is that you have to recognize that in Christ you, number one, have a new position. You see, you have a new status in Christ. Uh, Colossians, and this is all from Colossians, in Colossians 2.14 it says, He nailed your sin to the cross. In chapter 1, verse 21, He reconciled you in His body, presented you holy and blameless above reproach. Chapter 1, verse 12, it says, He qualified you to share in the inheritance of the saints. He delivered us from the dominion of darkness. He transferred us to the kingdom of His beloved Son, in whom you have the redemption and the, uh, and the forgiveness of sins. It says, He qualified you, and then He transferred you. He took you to a new status. He gave you a new name. He put a new label on you. You were once not a people, but now you are a people. You were not a child of God, but now you are a child of God. You've been born again. All that old man is gone. You can be dead to that stuff now. You've got a new name and a new nature, a new likeness. You're His kid. That's because the Holy Spirit's on the inside of you. You were unclean by sin and death. You had been under that curse, separated by death. That death wouldn't let you go into God's presence. But Jesus took your sin, He touched your death, and He gave you His life. That's the good news. He gave you, He transferred that death into His own body, and He gave you alive together with Him, Paul says. He made you alive together with Him. So here's the, here's the good news. It says, now you can be dead to sin and alive to God. You can be dead to death and alive to God. You can be dead to those things. So guess what? Don't touch dead things. You know, I still abide by the rule in my life, don't touch the stove, it's hot. But my wife doesn't have to stand there and say, Heath, you know that stove is hot, right? I've graduated, I hope, from those now. Do I have an accident now and again? Yeah, sure, you get some grease on the, there and it splashes up, you know, whatever. Sometimes things happen. But there's no one in Pastor Heath's life telling him, Heath, the stove is hot. I have moved on. I got a new status. I got a new likeness. I got a new image. I got a new want to in life. See, we before, he says, you were enslaved to the elementary principles of the world. That was elemental things. That was natural living. You wanted those things. Paul kind of talks about it like with a school teacher. He says, there was a moment in your life when you had a school teacher, and that was the law. And it was like a babysitter. And that babysitter had to be there for a time to keep you from running out in the road and rolling around in roadkill. Come on, somebody. I mean, no, like you had to have somebody in your life to make sure you didn't hurt yourself or jump off the top of the stairs onto the couch below. You had to do something. You had to have a babysitter. Now, I was raised by babysitters a lot in my life. Both my parents worked. And so there was things that babysitter was there to do. Make sure you didn't burn the house down. He said the law was like that. The law was like a babysitter from a time because you were still elementary minded. But he says, but when Christ redeemed you from under the law, it's so you could grow up as a child of God. Now you could have his nature on the inside of you. He says, now faith has come in Galatians 3.24. You no longer need a babysitter. You no longer need a babysitter because you have his nature on the inside. So here's the, this. He says, you don't need man-made rules to keep you holy anymore. If you rely on the do's and don'ts of the flesh, it's proof that you really haven't grown up yet. Turn to your neighbor and say, grow up. 
Now, now we're speaking this in the nice kingdom-minded way, right? Anybody, anybody ever told you that before? Oh, grow up. Well, Paul wants us to grow up. He wants you to grow up into the things of God, into Christ's image. And you can do that because you have the Holy Spirit. Now look at the next one. He says there's a new position, but there's also a new purpose. Look in chapter 3, verses 1 through 3. He says, if you've been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above, where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things that are above, not on the earthly things. You've died to those things, and now your life is hidden with Christ in God. He says, where are you? You're not over here under sin and death and separated from God, captive to the don't touch. I don't I want to touch. I want to touch. But don't touch. Don't touch. But I want to touch. There's something in me that wants to do bad things. And, and I, I, need to, I need to have some rules in my life to keep me from going off into sin and doing things that the world wants to do. I have to put boundaries. I need people to keep me accountable. I need somebody to tell me to pray every day. I need someone to be on my case to tell me to read my Bible. I need someone to call me to get me up in the morning to go to church on Sunday because I just can't do this thing on my own. I need somebody to help me me with all these lists of things and expectations to tell me how to be a Christian because inside of here I ain't grown up yet. He says if you are in that life it's proof you haven't had a real true authentic encounter with God yet that has changed your nature from the want to don't to the want to do. He says set your affection, set your mind on things above, not on things on the earth. Seek to be like your heavenly Father and grow up into His image. And you can do that because you have a new purpose. You see, your life is in Christ now. When you believe in Jesus by faith, there's this experience called the born-again experience, saved by grace through faith. The Holy Spirit comes inside of you. You begin to get united with Christ. There's a new birth, and you're like a new Christian baby going to grow up into His image. And it takes a constant seeking. A kid who doesn't ever want to walk as a baby is going to stay there, and it's going to be a very unhealthy infant. But that infant learns to walk. It learns to uh, crawl, then walk. It learns to open doors. It opens cabinets. It learns how to destroy your house. And it begins to teeth. It begins to talk. It's moving forward because that kid is setting its mind on bigger, higher things. How many know parents with little kids? They sit in their high, heights, higher things. They're always looking for higher things. And that's for us. You're a spiritually infant. Keep setting your things on higher things. Keep setting your mind on growing in God, growing in the Spirit, growing in the Word, growing in faith. And if you keep working on the do's, guess what happens? The don'ts are going to be behind you. The don'ts are going to be back there in the back. I ain't got to worry about the don'ts anymore. I'm focused on the do's. The more I want to be like Him and do what He's doing, the don'ts will handle themselves. You see, he says, Christ is the head. You're the body. You're in Christ. A head and a body not too often are separated. If they are, they don't live very long. There's the head and the body. And whatever the body does is because the head's told it to do it. Come on, let's just be real, right? The head tells the body what to do, and the body doesn't like, well, I don't know if sure, brain, I don't know if you really want to do that. Now, some of us may have to coax our bodies now, you know, into doing things. Get up, get up. You're going to have to do it. Get up. And that might be Jesus to us, you know. Get up and uh, shake it off. Move on. But the body responds. That's the Christian. The Christian is to respond to what the head says. I go where the head tells me to go, do what the head tells me to do. Jesus says another way, abide in the vine. If you abide in me, I'll abide in you. It's gonna, my Father's going to please with you. We're going to make our residence with you. You can't do anything if you're separated from me. And the sap 
from the source of the trunk of that tree and that vine is going to flow through those branches. As long as you're connected and just receiving sustenance from me, John 15, receiving life from me, you're going to produce great things. My father will get a harvest. You can't do anything. Now, this is spiritual stuff. You can't do anything without a spiritual connection to the head or to the vine. Let me put it in practical terms if you're struggling with me to follow. I don't do the things I used to do not because someone gave me a list of rules. I don't do those things anymore because I don't sense Christ in them. Right? I don't sense Jesus in that movie that I used to watch when I was in college. No one told me, Heath, that one specific movie is a bad movie. I don't sense Christ in, it may not even be a bad movie, but I don't sense Christ in that movie anymore. And so I don't do the things I don't sense Christ in anymore. But I do things that I used to not do. I do new things now that before I had no appetite for, but now because I sense Christ in them, I want to do them. I want to read my Bible every day. I want to spend hours in prayer every week, not because someone told me to, but because I want to. I want to tithe. I want to come to church. I want to sing. I want to raise my hands. I want to go to the altar, not because I have to, but because I want to. I'm setting my affections on someone who's had affection for me, and I recognize he took my death, despised the shame, and for the joy set before him, endure a cross on my behalf. And so now because I have a, his nature on the inside, I put behind myself all the don't, 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 and I focus on I I just want to be where you are. I just want to do what you're doing. It's like a little kid. They want to be where mom and dad is. Be up all in your business. Sit in your lap. Read what you're doing. Flip through the channels with you. They want to be there. And if you're a Christian, a true spirit-filled, blood-bought Christian, no one will have to make you go to church. No one will have to make you read your Bible. No one will have to tell you what movies are good or not. To what to watch. If you're growing in Christ, seeking things which are above, and not setting your affections on things on the earth, you will naturally grow up to be like your dad. You see, if Christ has qualified you, no one can disqualify you. This life is not meant to be a burden. Paul says in Colossians 2, 6, it's to abound in thanksgiving. Its life is meant to be a life of joyful worship. It's not meant to be under judgment of other people's religious opinions of you. It's not meant to be under other people's spiritual superiority. It's not meant to be under shameful condemnation. It's not meant to be under burdensome religious uh, opinions or burdensome religious obligations. It says if He's qualified you, you ain't got to live up to any of these rules anymore, but you can be a new creation because because your purpose now is to be renewed daily into your father's image. I just want to be like my dad. He's cooking on the stove. I want to be where my dad is. And I'm learning not to touch the stove anymore. No one's finally going to tell me not to touch the stove. But dad, how do you flip that? Dad, how do you turn it on? What temperature, dad, can we make this meal for mom? How can we do this? God, I'll set the plate out with you. And as he, as he sees you in his space, he's going to say, son, let me show you how to do this. Son, let me show you how to give you more responsibility. Here, you can handle this part of this, this meal we're preparing now. And then before you know it, he's letting you make that meal all by yourself. Because he's like, this is my kid. I love them. I want to give great things into them. And he wants to spend time with you. But do you want to spend time with him? You grow up in Christ not by the don'ts, 
don't touch the stove doesn't make a kid grow up. It will keep them safe for a time. But eventually, they should learn how to cook. And all the parents said amen. You see, there's a new position, there's a new purpose, and lastly, there's a new path. There's a new path. You see, your position and your purpose determine your path. My position before was I was dead in sin, dead, cursed uh, by death, separated from God. I was a natural man in elementary things. My, my purpose was to just keep dead religious works alive. And so what my path was, was just doing routine, trying to feel better about myself, trying to make myself not sin, try to appease some religious perspective that was out there called Christianity that the world had a view of. And so my position was over here, elementary, natural-minded. My, my purpose was uh, just to uh, keep this religion alive, and my path was just to do cultural routines and rules. But then my position was now in Christ, and now my purpose was in Christ, and then my path, my path now is in Christ. Path means how do you walk this thing out? It's just the same way. Be in Christ. You see, Paul says in this in Colossians 1.10, he says, By the Holy Spirit in you, you can live a life worthy of the Lord and please Him in every way, bearing fruit in every good work. Here it is, growing in the knowledge of God. How do you grow in the knowledge of God? You can't do this without having the Holy Spirit in you and actually having a spiritual union with Christ. You can't grow in Christ unless you begin to partner with the Holy Spirit and figure out what this whole thing is. You know, I'm just newsflash. Christianity is not a natural man-made religion. It is a spiritual union with the God of the universe. And so Paul says in Galatians 3, 2, he says, Guys, you didn't receive the Holy Spirit when you started banging a bunch of rules like don't touch. How did you receive the Holy Spirit? He says, but by hearing with faith. You received the Holy Spirit when you believed in Jesus Christ and He made you born again alive with Him. The old man passed away, new things came in, He had a new spiritual union, and you believed. You never did anything to deserve it or to earn it, but you believed it, that His work was sufficient on the cross. You received the Holy Spirit by hearing with faith, not because you spoke in tongues, not because you got baptized in water, not because you paid your tithes, not because you got out of the drunk tank, not because you changed your dress attire, not because you did anything else. You believed, you received. That's it. He says, you received the Holy Spirit when you didn't do anything. So how do you think you're going to grow up in Christ by doing things? If you began in the Spirit, you can't then continue to do things in the flesh and think it's going to do anything. You can't just think, I got saved, now I can do it all on my own. Thanks, God. I can write those tithe checks. Pastor Heath won't be on my case. I can go once a month, and he, at least nobody's going to follow up. You know, they'll follow up with me, and, and they won't think I'm gone. And I'll, I'll show up for that thing, and I'll maybe serve on occasion, and I won't cuss, don't drink, won't smoke, don't do this, don't do that, and I will be good going to heaven. He says, if you began in the Spirit, if you continue to think you're going to do this life by natural works alone without the Holy Spirit, he says in a warning in Galatians, you will be severed from Christ. He says you'll be severed. You'll be severed from Christ. You can't start the Christian life in the Spirit and try to work it out with fleshly routines and rule. Look it up, Galatians 3.3. 3. It says you'll be severed from Christ. You will fall from grace, Galatians 5.4. So you've got to keep on trusting Jesus was enough. 
Jesus, you're enough. Jesus, my status has changed. I'm saved by grace through faith. I don't have to live up to those things anymore. I'm dead to those things. But now, what is my thing? I learn to walk by the Spirit. I can look in Ezekiel 36, 27. He says, I'll put my Spirit within you and cause you. I will cause you to walk in my statutes. And you will be careful to observe my ordinances. Galatians 5, 25, he says, if you live in the Spirit, then walk by the Spirit. That's my favorite. That's my life verse. That's my favorite verse of all the Scripture. No, you can't really supposed to have his favorite. But if you live in the Spirit, if you have a, a connection with Jesus, a spiritual connection, walk this life out, listening every day to the Holy Spirit. Grow up in Christ. This is your path in life. Walk in the Holy Spirit. So let me give you this. Just don't touch and do touch. Your path. All right, Pastor Ethan, I'm going to go out on Monday. I'm saved. Death to life. Elementary to spiritual. Monday morning comes, I got a do and a don't right here in front of my face. Do I chew this person out? No, not really. Do, do I or don't I do this? He says, well, now don't touch. You've got liberty now because you have maturity in the Holy Spirit. You can have liberty because you have maturity. And here's what the Holy Spirit's going to do. He's going to tell you what not to touch. And here's what he's going to say. He's going to keep saying, Heath, don't touch dead things. What are those dead things, though, Pastor Heath? They're dead religion, that's one, and things that carry spiritual diseases. Dead works and dead sin. Dead religion that is man-made, things that I rely on those things more than I rely on the Holy Spirit, or things that carry spiritual diseases. What do I mean by that? Well, he says it in Colossians 3, 5, put to death or be dead to what is earthly in you. Here it is, sexual immorality, impurity, impassion, evil desire, covetedness, idolatry on the account of the wrath of God is coming. And then he says, you were once walking in these things, that was your path, but then you were living in them. You were living and you were walking. That was your position and that was your path. But now you put them all away. You're dead to those things. You don't touch dead things any longer. You're not touching anger or wrath or malice or slander or obscene talk from your mouth. You're not lying to one another because you put off the old self of this practice. Has anybody ever told you, hey, your attitude stinks? Anybody ever said, no, no, raise your hand. Your attitude stinks. What do they mean by that? It don't smell good. It means it's like a dead thing. A dead thing stinks. That attitude is from death. That thing's from the pit of hell. That, that attitude stinks. So what is he saying? Before you were worried about, should I drink five drinks or four drinks? Should I wear a dress that's this tall or that tall? Should I go to this or go to that? You're talking about elemental things, natural-minded things. He says, but when you're talking spiritually things, you're talking about the root issue of all those things. Man, I don't want to touch that stinking gossip anymore. I don't want to roll around in slander. Like that's, that's the devil's uh, roadkill. I'm not, I'm not going into that stuff anymore. He's like, I'm not touching that outburst of anger. I'm not picking up that lustful thought. I'm, getting, I'm letting go of that feeling of envy. I'm not rolling around all the time in that unforgiveness. See, you've got heavenly clothes on that are too valuable to be touching the devil's roadkill. Right? What you've got on is too clean, too good, too pure, too holy to be out there going in the road and rolling around in hell's roadkill thinking, and then your mom, your heavenly father's like, don't touch dead things. Don't touch that attitude. Let that attitude go. You've been rolling around in filthy unforgiveness. And other people out here in the natural world are like, man, at least I went to church three times this month. They ought to be happy. 
That's natural-minded Christianity. I want to be over here and say, God, I want to let go of everything that's unfilthy in my spirit that causes spiritual diseases that eat away on the inside that make me have to get washed again in the presence of the Holy Spirit. I want to, I want to let go of those things. And then what do you do? Do touch. There's don't and do. Colossians 3.12. But then... As God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, because you got the holy clothes on, put on this, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, patience, bear with one another, forgive people who have a complaint against you, forgiven them as the Lord has forgiven you, and you must forgive. Above all these things, put on love, which binds everything together. So we'll wrap it up with this. Instead of asking pastor, how many drinks is too many drinks? How much nudity or cursing in a movie is too much? Is it 12, R, you know, 12 F words in a movie or is it 13 F words in a movie? Which one is, is the best? Which one should I watch? Is it how short his dress is too short? How big of a white lie is a regular lie? Let's go after what's the, what's the color coding after white? I'm not sure. But white lie, then it goes up. What, what, what makes a white lie a white lie? Is that okay? What, what level of stealing from my employer is stealing? Three pencils, 18 erasers? I mean, what, what is it here? It's 15 sticky notes? We're trying to measure elemental things. Instead of thinking, how much do I have to go to church? Pastor, how much do I have to pray? How much do I have to tithe? What rules keep me from sinning? How do I make God happy with me? The first is dead sin, and the second is dead works. Don't touch dead things. Stop touching dead things. But do start touching the one who gives life. Start touching the one who gives life. Would you bow your heads and your hearts with me this morning? Keep seeking things above. Set your mind on things above. And Christ who is your life, you will produce the fruit of the Holy Spirit, which is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. You see, religious rules will never create spiritual maturity in you. The do not taste, do not handle, do not touch, that will, that will keep you safe maybe for a season, but it will never cause you to grow up into Christ's image. So Father, will you take a moment and press pause Holy Spirit, we invite you to speak right here, right now, in this moment. Have we been living in elementary level Christianity? Have we begun things in the Spirit and started relying on elementary, fleshly, natural things to continue to walk this thing out? Have we been seeking heavenly things? There's a lot of ways we could end this service this morning, and I'm just going to ask the Holy Spirit to do whatever He wants to do in every heart and every life. First thing, though, we want to make sure and get clear is maybe you're here today and you've never had a born-again relationship with Jesus Christ. You have never fully trusted that His work alone was sufficient.